This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. I'm really excited about it. This is something that I've been praying about and our team's been talking about for a while, doing a, doing a class like this, like a discipleship class, thinking about the basic doctrines of the Christian life. Uh, and so this is the first of eight sessions, so it's, it's, gonna, it's a bit of a marathon. So I just encourage you on the front end to, uh, to, commit, to commit to coming to each of the classes. I think it will benefit you. And it's just, it's just encouraging to us as, a, as the pastoral team to see like a hunger for the Word. I think that's what this room represents right now. People in here looking for seats, uh, just a real hunger to, to know the Lord, and, and that's, that's very encouraging. So thanks for being here. The, the goals for today, this is the first class. It's a, kind of an introduction class. I give a vision for the class, why we're doing what we're doing, an overview of what we'll cover in the class, and also some administrative stuff. So lots of, lots of administration for this class. As you can tell uh, with the email this morning, it's not exactly my gifting is administration, so kind of changing things up last minute, uh, but I am really grateful that you're here. Uh, before we dive in, yeah, just a quick admin note about the structure of this class. This class is going to be a little bit different than most of our Cornerstone U classes. Really the idea is that in tone of each week is going to be more conversational, more, more back and forth. Um, so I was joking with Tommy about, you know, if you're on the front row, I might just call on, no, I'm just kidding. I, I won't call on anybody against their, against their will, but there will be times for question and discussion time. And how we're going to do that, um, especially because we have a pretty large group, we're not going to have like one big group discussion. It would just be kind of utter chaos. I think what we'll do is everyone will pick a partner, or, a, or if you're here as a family together and you want to do that together, that would be great. And I'll have time to ask a question, and then there'll be time for you to discuss that together, and then I might draw a couple people out about what they, uh, what they answered, and we'll kind of go back and forth some on that. So does that make, does that make sense, kind of about just the way, the way that will work? The other big admin thing is the, is the workbook and the book, Life's Biggest Questions. So more people signed up than we anticipated, which is a wonderful, wonderful problem to have. But the only problem is we didn't order enough of the workbooks. So we've ordered more. They should be in for next week. I printed off uh, a PDF of this material. So if you didn't get this, there, there may still be some in the back. I also emailed it out to everybody who signed up. So you should have a PDF of this whole booklet on email. So I don't, some people might like doing it on their iPad or something like that anyway. But just so you know, next week, uh, Lord willing, we should have more of these, these nice notebooks. So these were actually made in-house. So Matt Bowers designed this, the whole thing. And it's really just done with excellence. So if you see him and you like the workbook, make sure to tell him thanks for, thanks for doing that. Okay, trying to think if there's any other admin before we, before we jump in. Oh yeah, with, with, with the discussion part, with the, with the back and forth, it, it's really important to have a, 
sense of humility about that. And let's just all agree together as a room, like, it's okay to be wrong. So I just, I just want to, like, I want to uh, let you know that. You know, some people say there's no wrong answers. Ah, that's, it's not exactly true. You know, sometimes, if, if you say how many persons are there in the Godhead, and says, so I, I, in my interpretation, there's two. It's like, no, that's just, it's not an interpretation. That's just a wrong answer. Um, but uh, there should be a sense of humility about this. Like each one of us really in this class is pressing on ahead in truth. There's no, uh, this class isn't meant to be performative, so don't think, oh, if I raise my hand and, you know, share an answer, what are people going to think? Let, let's just, let's all have a humility together about pursuing truth with, with one another. So it's... Yeah, so Curtis, it's okay, it's okay to be wrong. That was mostly for you. Yeah, it was mostly for you. So, uh, let's, let's pray. I want to pray for this class, and then uh, we'll just dive right in. So let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your kindness to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everyone who's here, who's hungered to press on to know the Lord. Thank you for all the families that are here. Pray for the teenagers, the preteens that are here in this class. I pray that this class would be a means of grace, that it, w- it would help uh, the teens and the preteens own their faith for themselves. Pray for each of us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to, to grow in our knowledge and our love for you, our, our love for sound doctrine and um, how that relates to discipleship. So teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So like I said, this is a new type of class for Cornerstone, but in a sense, it's a very, very old type of class. Uh, so if I say the word, this is a fancy word, but you're here early, so we're going to do some fancy words, catechesis. So anyone ever heard that term before, catechesis, or something related to it? So what, what other words have you heard that kind of are associated with catechesis? Catechism, very good. So if anyone does catechism with their children, that's, that is a word that's related to, the, related to this. And catechesis, it basically means instruction. It's, it's a Greek word that means instruction. And throughout church history, churches have had catechesis classes kind of in conjunction with the preaching that walk through the basics of the Christian faith. So this is something from Augustine in the 4th century, all throughout church history, churches have had catechesis-type classes. So this is something the church has done for a very long time. And and the idea is that the the book you read and the workbook that you'll work through throughout the week and then coming to class will will sort of be a cornerstone church catechesis. That's, that's That's kind of the idea. So my hope for this class is just to inspire you, envision you, motivate you to participate in the rest of the class. Uh, Anselm, he, he was an 11th century bishop monk, which is an interesting category of a guy. He was interesting in a lot of ways. He defined theology as faith-seeking understanding. Faith-seeking understanding. And I love that definition because it means you start with Saving faith, I trust in Christ for salvation, trust in him alone. But then, to press on in theology is a faith-seeking understanding. That's kind of how I see this class working. No matter where you are 
kind of on your journey and your walk with the Lord, whether you've been a Christian for 30 years, for 30 days, or if you're not, if you're not a Christian, you're not sure kind of where you are, if you're um, considering these claims of Christ, really the idea is for each one of those people, you would be able to learn more, press on, and, and grow from where you are to the next stage. 2 Peter 3 18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the idea. Very simple verse, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, we want to grow onto the next step. And Christians grow in various ways. So here's our first First discussion time. We're going to try this. I, 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 don't, I don't know how this is going to go, but we're going to try it. So everyone, get, get, get a partner, or if there's a couple of you together you want, to, you want to get together with, that's fine. And here's the question we're going to discuss. What are some ways Christians grow throughout their lives? So what are some, what are some ways, maybe think of three or four ways that Christians grow throughout their Christian life. So we'll take two, three minutes, and uh, just look around. It's okay. Look around the person next to you. If you don't know them, it's a great time to introduce yourself and, uh, yeah, discuss that for just a minute, and then we'll, we'll come back together. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's come back together. I don't want to spend too much time on this. So the question was, what are some ways Christians grow in the Christian life? It could be virtues, attributes you grow in, or things that promote Christian growth. It's kind of the idea. So whatever way you took it is fine. So let's, let's just have show of hands. Nope, don't be bashful. Who, who, who came up with one or two ways Christians grow in the Christian life? All right, we got right here. Philip. Okay, uh, exercising your gifts and talents. Oh, good. Okay. So gifts, gifts and talents. Yeah, wonderful. There's a, there's a sense in the Christian life, it's kind of like with our fitness. If you don't, if you don't do anything, you're not going to grow. So this idea of exercising your gifts, is a, that's, a really, that's a great one. Okay, somebody else? Yep. Prayer, Bible study, fellowship church. Good. Oh, run out of ink. Okay, prayer, Bible study, church. Yeah, good. Those are three kind of means of grace. Yeah, what, what over here? What's your name? Karis, okay, what did you say? What do you think? Asking questions. That's wonderful. I think that that is, I'll tell you, I have probably grown more in my Christian life by asking questions than maybe anything else. And the good news is that the Bible has the answers for, for these questions that we have. So that's, that's wonderful. Okay, let's do, let's do one, one more. Yep, good, good. So knowledge of the word and applying that knowledge to our lives. That's, that's excellent. And I think that really is the focus of this class. So I'm glad you brought that up, Donald. The idea of this class is that one critical means of grace for growth is sound doctrine. Okay, so that's, that's really what this class is all about. Sound doctrine. If you're in the back, can you even see this? Is this even worth doing? Someone in the back? Okay, you guys see in the back a little bit. That's good. All right. So sound doctrine. The word sound, it literally means something like healthy. Okay, so if you think about your diet, think about, um, you know, what, what you eat on a regular basis. If you regularly eat 
junk, I mean, maybe I shouldn't use this illustration. It is New Year's, so <laughs> I am feel bad about this myself. So don't feel bad if you're like, oh yeah, I'm eating all junk food right now, and my resolution was a week ago, and I've already broken it. Anyway, but the, the idea is if you're always eating junk food, you're not going to be healthy, right? You're, you're, it's almost like snacking on French fries and chocolate and, and whatever. There's not going to be a growth in, in, your, in your health. Well, and what we learn, what we think about works the same way. Sound doctrine is healthy teaching. So teaching that accords with God's word, the effect it has on us is to make us healthy spiritually. So it's almost like, think about it like this. Like when you come to a class like this, and you're here, and you're, you're listening to the teaching from God's word, there's a million other things you could be doing. You could be sleeping in. You could be watching Netflix. I guess, I don't know. You could, you could be doing all sorts of different things, but by coming and, and being eager to hear sound doctrine, what you're doing is like you're eating a good meal. It's just going to be good for your soul. That's the way it works, and it's mysterious. You know, it's not like It's not like you always feel better right away after you eat broccoli. I don't know. I don't, at least. It's not like I feel better after eating something good right away. But if uh, over months and years and a lifetime of eating well, there's going to be more health than if I didn't have that habit. Does that make sense? Yeah, so uh, that's that's what we're going for, sound doctrine. Kind of the main point, if you want to, if you take notes, the main point of this whole class, this eight-week class, if I had to sum it up, it'd be something like this. Sound doctrine leads to deep discipleship. Okay, sound doctrine leads to deep discipleship. That's, that is the main idea. When you think about being a deeper Christian... What, what comes to mind? Uh, we said a lot of things, like growing in spiritual gifts, serving. All of these things are a part of it. But what this class is about is how sound doctrine, thinking about the beliefs of the Christian faith, leads us to deep discipleship. So how, and this is very important because there would be a lot of pushback from different areas, Christian and non-Christian alike, that would say Okay, if you're doing a discipleship class, what you should really focus on are the practicals of the Christian life. And I don't, I don't, I don't um, have any problem with that. I think one day we should do a class like that, like a longer class where it goes through the practicals of Bible study, prayer, those sorts of things. Um, but the aim of this class is to show the connection between actually what we believe about the Lord, the core doctrines, leads us to spiritual health. Uh, J.I. Packer has a great illustration of this. He, he describes like, spiritual growth ha- as having three components. It's like a stool that, with three legs on it. Um, so, I don't know, imagine your chair had three legs on it instead of four. And um, each of those three legs is helping support you in the Christian life and in Christian growth. And he, he calls them D-E-P. So there's, here, here's, here's the three legs of the Christian life, D-E-P. 
D, we'll come back to, is obviously it's doctrine. Anyone want to guess what E is? Evangelism? No, but that's a, good, that's a really good guess. That's part of spiritual health. We actually don't talk about it a ton, but that's very good. E is experience. And there's different ways you could call that. But what Packer is basically saying is, okay, we have doctrine, but we also need to experience the Lord's goodness in our soul. So it's not just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge, right? You can know the Lord cognitively, but not know him personally. Um, So that's experience. And the P, anyone want to guess the P? Participation, practice is what he calls it, but it's same, the same, same idea. So D-E-P, doctrine, experience, practice. Yeah, the, the P, the practice is obedience in the everyday life. But what we're focusing on, again, is, is doctrine. How, how, does, how does doctrine lead us into maturity in the Christian life? A- another way to put it might be that the head head leads to the heart leads to the hands okay so the christian life you, you can't you can't just say no nah, i'm not really into i'm not really into theology that's not really that's not really my thing i'm not now, some people get more excited about it than others, and that's fine. Some people are really into theology and need to grow in serving, right? Some people are really good at serving and not as interested in learning and growing. But Packer's claim is that these three really go, go together. So, sound doctrine into the mind, into the head, should lead to, by faith, a warmth of spirit and, and heart, right? I, I, I have to catch myself in this because I, I love thinking about theology, and I have to ask the question, okay, is, all, if, is what we're learning, is what I'm learning, is it seeping down into my heart so that I love the Lord more, right? Am I loving the Lord of the Word more than I'm just liking learning things? And then hands, going out into service. Sinclair Ferguson says that the conviction that Christian doctrine matters for Christian living is one of the most important growth points of the Christian life. So here again, the conviction that Christian doctrine matters for Christian living is one of the most important growth points of the Christian life. So just a question for application. Do do you believe that growth in Christian doctrine matters tremendously for your growth in the Christian life? Good question to ask yourself. It does. It matters tremendously. Again, sound doctrine is the food of the Christian life. It's what we need. It's what we, what we take in, what makes us healthy. So this class, it's organized around the key doctrines of the Christian faith. So at the end, we'll kind of look through the workbook and make sure everyone's clear on what we, what we need to read and what we need to do through it, but you'll see the way it's outlined. It's outlined um, with questions, and we'll go through that at the end. The questions of how do we know God? What is God like? Who is Jesus? What has he done? These sorts of things. So any, any, questions, any questions so far, anything we've covered just about 
doctrine, its place in the Christian life. Um, yeah, any questions? I, w- I want to show you from a couple places in Scripture how this is true and how this works out. But before that, I just want to take a second. Any, any questions about anything we've covered so far? Yeah, tell me. How would you view I'm an so the, que- the question was kind of how do our predecessors in the faith, how do we kind of compare and stack up with them as far as focusing on doctrine, like growth in doctrine? That's a great question. I think that it probably depends on what, what pocket of the church, wider church, you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I think as you read... And what's hard is when you read the Puritans or the Reformers, you're reading the very best. That, that's what makes it through the filter of time. But still, I think there is a clear hunger, almost. And if you think about it, there's no other sources of entertainment in, in the ancient world, really in through the Reformation and the Puritan era. I mean, people for entertainment came to listen to preaching. Like, can you imagine that? Or if you just said, like, I'm, I'm really bored this week. What should I do? I, I'm going to go find someone who's preaching and listen to a sermon. You know, that just, that's totally unheard of in our, in our day now because there's just so many different options. So I do, I do think there is probably a different level of hunger and um, knowledge of Scripture in general. So that's a good question. Yeah. Any, any other questions? All right, so I want to look at one place of Scripture, and then um, maybe another place, and then we'll have a little bit more time for discussion, and then talk about what all this class is going to cover. So, uh, the text I want to look at, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 12, or if you have your phone, or whatever, to look at Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, the New Testament goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans is the sixth book. Yeah, sixth book of the New Testament. Romans 12, 1 through 2 is what we're going to look at. He says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 12 is kind of like a hinge point. If you think of it as like a door. This is where it's hinging to the next section. Chapters 1 through 11 are all doctrine. Romans 1 begins with the sinfulness of man. And Romans 3 talks about the redemption of Christ. How everyone has sinned and deserves God's just wrath because of our sin. But Christ on the cross became a propitiation for our sin. That word means a wrath-bearing sacrifice. Like, if you ever ask the question, why did Jesus die? 
Why did he have to die? Well, he died because our sins deserve judgment. And God is just, and a just judge doesn't just say, well, eh, you've sinned, but I'm going to kind of wipe it under the rug. That's fine, you know. I think C.S. Lewis said that we can often view God as like a heavenly grandfather, you know. A grandfather just kind of sweeps things under the rug. I, I don't know if any of you are grandparents, but my parents, with my kids, it's like they can never, they can never sin. I mean, my, 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 my older son, Teddy, will come and he'll just, he'll punch my son, Gus, in the chest. And we're kind of, we're all kind of looking at what's going on. And my parents are like, well, what happened? Did a wind come and move and move your arm to hit him? And it's like, no, dad, he's, he's a sinner. Like he's selfish and his, his heart, uh, to quote Jeremiah, his heart's desperately sick and wicked. And it's hard to, it's hard to believe that, but it's true. That's what the, that's what the Bible, that's what the Bible says. But it also says in Romans 3 that Jesus died to be the propitiation for our sins. Every time we've sinned, deserve God's wrath and justice, we don't have to, we don't have to experience that because Christ died in our place. And then later on in Romans chapter 7, or 6, 7, and 8, talking about sanctification, the life of the believer, how not only are we forgiven of our sin, but united to Christ, we're raised up with him, have a newness of life so that we can actually leave our sins behind and pursue righteousness because we're united to Christ by faith. And then Romans 9 through 11, if you make it to Romans 9 through 11, it's kind of a tricky section. It talks about predestination, how God chose us before the foundation of the world because of his sovereign grace, not because of our decisions or our works. And then finally, finally we make it to chapter 12, where Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, which I think is referring to everything that came before that. So just summarize the book of Romans, everything that came before that. I appeal to you because of all these things that are true, Present your body as a living sacrifice. Think about your life as a sacrifice of worship to the Lord who has done those things. It's the purpose of our lives, to be a living sacrifice to the God who saved us. Isn't that amazing? But the question is, and this is why I want to talk about this text, the question is, how do we do that? How do you, how do you go from, how do you go from, Okay, child of wrath, forgiven, sanctified, and now I'm supposed to present my life to God as worship. How, how, do, how do I do that? Well, the text is clear. Verse 2, look at, look at that verse with me. Follow along with me. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind. Did you catch that? So it's, it's through... The renewing effect of true doctrine that we're transformed from the inside out. Isn't that amazing? Like, like think about this. Each Sunday, we, we just kind of take it for granted. We come in, we hear the preaching of God's word, and we think, okay, that's great. Heard another sermon, check, on to the next thing. But what's happening when that happens is our minds are being renewed. And as our minds are renewed, our lives are being transformed. It's a, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful gift. So don't be conformed, be transformed. Don't go with the flow, go against it. How? 
by the renewal of our mind. And at this point, I just want to encourage, um, encourage you throughout this book, for one, to read the book, Life's Biggest Questions. That's what the workbook is based off of. Uh, but I also want to encourage you there at the beginning of each section, there's a recommended reading list on that given topic. And at the end of the workbook, there's a whole there's a bibliography kind of with every book that's recommended. Now, those books have different levels of difficulty, so you can kind of research on your own and see if that's something that you would be interested in diving into. But I want to encourage you that one way our mind is renewed is through reading. And I know some people probably hear that and think, I am not a reader. You don't understand. I hate reading, despise it. And, and that's, and I just want to encourage you that that's okay. Some people don't like reading as much as others. You don't have to read a hundred books in a year to be a good Christian. You don't have to read 10 books a year. But what you do need to do is consider how important it is to read scripture first and foremost. And then think about what's one or two books of doctrine, maybe one book on this list that you could commit to for the rest of the year to read, read through and to be challenged. This is C.S. Lewis. He, um, he was talking about kind of different types of books, like devotion, devotional books, so kind of like a, um, I don't want to name any devotional books that you might like, and I like, I like devotional books, so I, I it's, not, it's kind of a false dichotomy that he does, but I think it's helpful. He talks about reading books of doctrine instead of books of devotion, kind of light devotional type books. Here, here's what he says. He says, For my own part, I tend to find the doctrinal books more helpful in devotion than the devotional books, and I rather suspect that the same experience may await others. I believe that many who find that nothing happens when they sit down or kneel down to a book of devotion— would find that the heart sings unbidden while they are working through their way through a tough bit of theology with a pipe in their teeth and a pencil in their hand. So there you go. Put a pipe in your teeth and a pencil in your hand and work through a tough bit of theology. It's not, a, it's not an actual recommendation, especially if you're, if you're not 18. Don't, don't, don't do that. It's not, not the recommendation from, from, from our team. So. But his point, his point is sound, is that we often think, what I need to get my heart warm toward the Lord is kind of a more shallow uh, kind of devotional type work. When what he's saying is actually, and we experienced this when we did our Knowing God book study through, um, in the fall, there's actually through working through tough theology where your mind is stretched, often that's when the heart becomes most engaged and you're just amazed at the greatness of God. So, let me, let me encourage you with, with that. The second place in Scripture, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here, are the pastoral epistles. So this is 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Most of the New Testament is written to individual local churches. These letters are unique in that they're written to pastors. So Timothy and Titus are both pastors that Paul is trying to instruct on how to engage in pastoral ministry. And what's interesting is to read those letters and think, okay, what's the main priority? Like, what is the priority of a pastor, and therefore, what's important in the church? And what's interesting is over and over again, the focus is on sound teaching. 
on sound doctrine. So this is 1 Timothy 4. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, and love, and faith, and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. 2 Timothy 1 says, follow the pattern of sound words, sound doctrine, healthy words that accord with Scripture which you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Titus 1, he must hold firm the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So, let's go back. That was a lot. Main point, sound doctrine leads to deep discipleship. I want you to miss that. Do you want to grow as a disciple of Christ? I think you do. I think that's why you're here. I want to grow as a disciple of Christ. How does that happen? It happens through a lot of ways, through experience, through the local church, through um, practices. It happens through engaging our minds with sound doctrine. Okay. I want to transition now to talk about the topics that we're going to cover in this class. We're going to have another little discussion time. So so limber up, limber up a little bit. The topics to be covered in this class, what I want you to do is with your discussion partner, and if you want to find another one, that's fine too, to, to list, think about four or five, maybe three or four, three or four of the most essential doctrines of the Christian life. What I mean by that is essential beliefs. If you were to tell somebody, okay, you need to think about these ideas, these three or four, what are the most, what are the most essential? And we're going we're to see how well our discussion time lines up with all of the, all of the topics that we cover. Okay, so does that make sense? All right, let's take, let's take a minute. All right, let's, let's, let's come back together. Sorry, we're, we're running close on time, so want to be faithful to end at 9.45. So let's see, what are, what are some of the most essential doctrines you talk about? Let's, let's, go, let's go some people in the back. So someone in like the back half of the room, want to wanna give, give it a whirl? Yeah, Layton. Who God is, who we are, what Christ has done. Very good. Yeah, what Christ has done. Th- those, those three are really kind of the, yeah, through the main doctrines if you're going to share the gospel with somebody. That's great. Any, anything else? Salvation. Salvation. Good. All right. Let's keep going. Who? Sovereignty. Okay. I always misspell sovereignty. I think I've, I don't know how many times I spelled it. E-I. E-I. Thanks, Curtis. Thanks, man. That's why I got you the promo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Original sin. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Faith, grace. Excellent. So good. Doctrines that we treasure. Yeah, go ahead, Enrique. The Bible is 
Good, good nature of Scripture. That's good. That covers, that covers a lot of them that we're going to do. I want to just go through quickly the, the list. So the first thing we'll cover, and this is next week's topic, is the doctrine of Scripture. So how can we know God? So Enrique, well done. You got the first one on the list. And I think it's very important that we start with the doctrine of Scripture because if you think about it, you have to answer the question, how can we know God before you start building doctrines about what God is like? So if there's no way for us to know God, there's really no reason why we're here at all, right? It would just be, hey, what's your idea of God? What's your idea of God? Well, we're just all kind of feel our way to try to get the best understanding we can. But we believe that this, this book... Uh, this Bible is God's authoritative revelation of himself. So we start with that. Second is the doctrine of God. What is God like? Then the doctrine of man. What does it mean to be a human being? Fourth one, doctrine of Christ. Who is Jesus? Then the doctrine of redemption. Yeah, what, what did Christ do to save us from our sins? Then the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? Notice we didn't, we didn't get that one up there, which is often is often a forgotten doctrine that we, we, we don't talk about as much. And then the doctrine of the Christian life. So what does it mean to live as a Christian? So if you, if you commit to come to the class, we, what we hope is that these are the foundational doctrines that can set you up really, no matter where you are on that spectrum on the Christian life, to, to grow, to, to take the next step. These doctrines will help you do that. Let's see, I want to I close with, um, with a quote. It's a longer quote. I should have printed it out for you. Uh, but a longer quote from Charles Spurgeon on the study of doctrine, really the study of God, the study of theology. This is, this is in the beginning of Knowing God, if you've read Knowing God. And I love this quote, and we'll come back to it regularly. It says this, It has been said by some that the proper study of mankind is man. I will not oppose the idea, but I believe it is equally true that the proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, the existence of the great God whom he calls his Father. And I love this. this. Listen to this next bit. It's connecting all of that grand thoughts about God to discipleship. There is something exceedingly improving to the mind in a contemplation of the divinity. It is a subject so vast that all our thoughts are lost in its immensity, so deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity, no subject of contemplation will tend more to humble the mind than the thoughts of God. But while the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. He who often thinks of God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods around this narrow globe. The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ and Him crucified and the knowledge of the Godhead and the glorious Trinity. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of the deity. He says later on, Would you lose your sorrows, 
this, this is fascinating. So if you come in suffering, full of sorrow, would you lose your sorrows? Would you drown your cares? Then go plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in his immensity, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swelling billows of grief and sorrow, so speak peace to the winds of trial as a devout musing upon the subject of the Godhead. So it's like, wow, that'll, that, that'll, that'll do it. Um, that, that motivates me to pursue knowledge of God leads to a heart that loves God and leads to hands eager to serve God. So that, that's the intro session of what do Christians believe. And just a, just a reminder uh, for kind of admin purposes, and then we'll pray and close, that the, the workbooks, the idea of the class is that for next week, you'll read the section on Scripture, Doctrine of Scripture, work through the workbook, and then when we come back together, uh, Jake Simmons is teaching the next week, and it'll be a way to reinforce that material. So I would encourage you to do both. You'll get most out of the class if you do both. But if you're not able to do the reading and the workbook, don't let it discourage you. I would still definitely encourage you to come, come next Sunday morning, even, even if you can't do that. So let's pray, and then if you have any questions or anything like that, I'll hang around, but I'll release the rest of us to go get donuts, which no, it's probably on your mind. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for sound doctrine that makes us healthy. Lord, I pray for that. I pray you would, I thank you for just the evidence of grace of everybody in this room who's eager and hungry, wants to grow, wants to learn. I pray for them. Lord, I pray especially for um, preteens just on my mind that, that are wondering about whether or not they believe these things. Lord, I pray you would help them. Pray that you would give them the gift of faith. That you, would, you would give them hunger to, yeah, to ask questions, to press on, to grow, and um, to, to trust in you. And I pray that would be true of all of us, that we would, as people of faith, seek deeper understanding so that we can love you and offer our lives as a living sacrifice to you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone dash you.